Attention, Ditto Heads. Attention, Bo Scouts. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the Soul of Excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now, here's Bo Snurdly. Welcome to your Tuesday. Here on WABC Talk Radio 77 in New York. Of course, we're streaming worldwide. You had never have to miss us. Just get that WABC app from WABCradio.com. Telephone number, if you'd like to join us today, 800-848-WABC, 848 Of course, it is Tuesday, which means it's Mark Stein Day. America's undocumented anchorman, Mark Stein, will be joining us shortly. Also today, we're going to hear from our good friend Todd Bensman from the Center for Immigration Studies. There is a massive surge that we have been warning you about for months. It is now amassing full scale down at the southern border. Todd was there recently. He's one of the most amazing immigration reporters in the country. So he'll be with us today as well. In the meantime, I know that many of you are celebrating. Finally, you are safe. Finally, you feel safe because Governor Hochul yesterday, as we talked about, signed that bill. No longer will 21, under 21-year-olds be allowed to uh, purchase semi-automatic rifles. And so now, at long last, you, you are how does it feel one day into it to know that from now on, you don't have to worry about younger than 21-year-old people having a semi-automatic rifle in New York. It's, it's just like a miracle. One day, 18, 19, younger than that, 16, 17, little hoodlums had access to semi-automatic rifles. They could just go buy them, apparently. 12-year-olds, maybe. And now that Governor Hochul has acted, that's done. You're safe, baby. You don't have to worry about any of these kids walking around with illegal guns because the governor's made it even more illegal. I'm a little bit saddened that in her infinite wisdom, the governor did not make murder even more illegal. You know, just call it double illegal. It is now really, really illegal to commit murder. Really, really. But I'm sure that is coming in up. Maybe, maybe that'll come in, in days ahead. Maybe we convince, can convince the governor to sign a bill that will doubly outlaw murder in New York and in other places. But for now, at least, anytime you see someone under 21, you don't have to worry. They will not have an illegal gun. Thank you, Thank you, Ms. Hochul. Brilliant. Our brilliant governor there. Uh, we talked yesterday about those two New York attorneys <laughs> that got a handshake and a, and a clap on the back for firebombing police calls. Well, today, Eric Adams, our mayor, the illustrious mayor of New York, says that, uh, and I don't know why he would say such a horrible thing, 
The mayor said, and get this, I mean, you know, we have to. I think maybe understand that he's a little bit frustrated. Maybe he didn't mean it. But Mayor Adams today said that, or yesterday, said New York is, New York's judicial system is the laughing stock of the country. Now, how dare this mayor say something like that? Why, after all, he pledged to get crime down. He's been working around the clock to help. And, and can't you see the results? I mean, what? Oh, don't point out that that woman was thrown on the subway tracks. Another one. Don't point out that that bus... Oh, stop it. Don't you dare mention that bus driver who was stabbed in the... Uh, no, that's not fair. No, no. Those people that were shot, don't mention that. The mayor has said that he is working around the clock to make New York safe... So just, just, just let it go. Stop already trying to criticize this man. He's doing the best he can. He wears those fancy jackets to, to, to the Met Gala saying stop gun violence. His heart is in the right place. Out on the left coast, another sign of American justice these days, the illegal immigrant who killed Kate Steneal has now been granted time served on the gun possession charge. It's like, yep, we slapped you on the wrist, and now let's give you another slap on the wrist for gun possession. But we had tough talk from the judge. He's going to face deportation now, supposedly. <clears throat> this would be... Jose Inez Garcia Zrate. He's facing deportation back to his native Mexico after he got away with the stiffest of the charges that were leveled against him for killing Kate Steneal. The judge, I'll tell you, after she let him, she really let him have it. After she slapped him on the wrist for the gun charge, she just said, ah, the gun charge, come on, you've already served some time, never mind that. We'll we'll let you go home now. But then she really let him have it. This judge, I'll tell you, this judge was tough. He let him have it. Vince Chirabria. The judge, Judge Vince, told Mr. Illegal Immigrant Killer, If you return to this country again and you're back in front of me, I will not spare you. Let this be your last warning. Let us remember, ladies and gentlemen, please, that the illegal immigrant, Jose Inez Garcia Zarate, when he killed 30-year-old Kate Steneal, shot dead when she was walking with her dad and a friend, just walking down San Francisco's Pier 14. He had already been deported five times. Five times deported. Came back to America. 
claimed that it was an accident. Said he found the gun under a bench. Didn't know what it was because it was wrapped up in a T-shirt. So he didn't know it was a gun. And supposedly, he says, when he picked it up, it accidentally just fired all by itself. The bullet ricocheted off the ground. And that's how Kate Steneal ended up dead. That's what the defense says. And that's what a jury in San Francisco bought. According to the story that I have here in front of me, Kate Steneal's death ignited a national debate over immigration, resulted in then-presidential candidate Donald Trump calling for a crackdown on illegal migrants in sanctuary cities, including San Francisco, that refuse to cooperate with federal immigration authorities. They don't refuse to cooperate with immigration authorities. They refuse to cooperate with the law. Oh, by the way, Governor Hochul might want to, somebody might want to alert her to this to make sure that she can get ahead of this problem, maybe sign a law tomorrow banning those under 21 from purchasing medical needles. Why would you say that? Well, it's it's overseas. It's in London. Needle spiking fears are rising in Europe. The crime is really difficult to trace. There's a story of a young 19-year-old woman dinner and drinks with friends and this woman got injected by a stranger with a needle. She went outside, fresh air, ended up, she says, losing control of her whole body, the ability to walk. She couldn't even hold her head up, couldn't talk. She was vomiting everywhere. Days after, days after, still felt ill, got dressed, noticed her arm was swollen, rushed to the hospital for blood tests, screened for all kinds of diseases. The doctors then informed her she had been injected with a dirty needle. It's called kneeling, healing. One of hundreds of cases across Europe. It's needle spiking. An injection administered without consent or knowledge, often in a bar or a nightclub setting, and of course, mostly, sadly, women are the targets. If it's over there, it won't be long before it's over here. And this is something, there have been over 300 complaints since March, not one single arrest. Needle spiking. It's happening there. It will happen here sooner or later. Our governor, Governor Hochul, needs to get on top of this and make sure that 21-year-old people and under have no access to needles whatsoever. Do it now. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley. This is Bo Snurley's Rush Hour. It's Tuesday. It's Mark Stein Day. We'll be back in just a moment. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly Rush on Rush. 77 WABC. James Golden, known popularly as Bo Snurdly. This is the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush, Rush. He's always mistakenly British. Tea crumpets. Cheerio. But he's really a Canuck. 
Known on all seven continents. Oh, I know who you are. America's undocumented anchorman. He's a recording star and a TV star. Tuesdays, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, presents Mark Stein. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, and we got late word today that the new boss over at CNN has threatened his reporters if they don't stop with their biased reporting, he's bringing in Stein. <laughs> and yeah. he's going to be the anchor for six hours in a row. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna out Wolf, Wolf Blitzer because anyone who's sat at Gate Twenty Seven at LaGuardia, uh, looking up at Wolf and thinking, "Holy hell, how long does this?" Go? I thought these guys were just supposed to have one-hour shows, and you're sitting there as your flight is pushed back to eleven thirty, half past midnight, two forty-five a.m., and it's still Wolf, yeah, yeah, yeah. away. That's what you want to be. Hmm. So before I, Mark, we have to talk about about this this January sixth show that starts this week and some of the other. But before then, okay, I have been so amused watching this little royal guy make faces at his mother, stick out his tongue at her, uh, uh, wave his fingers at her, and then Harry and uh, Meghan go over there. They leave early on a Bombardier private jet. Now they're taking all kind of flack from people that are saying they're hypocrites. Yeah. They got booed when they were over there. How'd this whole Jubilee thing turn out for the royals? Well, the Jubilee turned out great for the Queen. I mean, absolutely great. She wrapped it up with that little skit she did with Paddington Bear, in which she <laughs> de- delivered, she's having tea with. Well, she's having tea with a CGI, green screen, computerized stuffy. And and she's loosing off her lines about keeping a marmalade sandwich in her handbag with absolutely brilliant timing. And you say, OK, well, that's is that really any basis on which to judge a system of government? Well, Joe Biden wouldn't be capable of <laughs> of, of squinting into the telly, but sitting opposite. He wouldn't understand sitting opposite a CGI stuffy who has no corporeal existence and saying just read your lines uh joe biden off the prompter he couldn't he couldn't do that so the the queen had a very good a really a very good uh jubilee harry and Meghan had a disastrous one uh they can fly back on bombardier whoever whoever's paying for that but basically in st paul's which is where the seating counts st paul's cathedral uh uh his brother, Prince William, is up there in first class in row two, and Harry and Meghan are back in coach in row 673. So <laughs> they're sitting next to third cousins of the Queen that nobody has ever heard of. <laughs> so uh, she played that brilliantly, too. And... Uh, uh, and uh, and I don't know what you, I mean that she just played that fantastic she played that fantastically. They are hypocrites. They're humbugs. They're bores. They're grubbing onto the fringes of show business. They haven't got the talent to make it in. You know, uh, Meghan wants to be playing opposite George Clooney. She's she's not that good an actress. He's not going to do a movie with her. It's, this is all. Their Netflix deal is cancelled. They're living in a mansion that's way beyond their means, 
and uh, and they burned a lot of bridges uh, in Her Majesty's dominion. So they had a they had an absolutely terrible jubilee, and it couldn't happen to a more deserving couple. Well, <laughs> let's talk about <laughs> Eric Holder for a moment. <laughs> On yeah. that happy note. Yeah, Eric Holder would would get better if he married into the war. If he married one of those third cousins twice removed, and the next thing you saw, he was kissing a royal duchess on the balcony. He would get a better press than Harry and Meghan did. Eric Holder. Well, Eric Holder says that we are in danger. Those of us in the United States, Mark, I'm sure you're going to be very upset about this. He says that we're in danger now of um, slipping into political apartheid. We are going to become a, a, a South Africa. We are going to have apartheid in America because the minority of the United States is going to be in charge of things. And what is all this based on? It's based on what we're expecting to happen, what he's expecting to happen with the overturning of Roe versus Wade. And so now we're going to have an apartheid, I guess an apartheid winter in America where the minority of the will is going to be just they're going to rule over the majority and the majority which i guess are holder and his and his peeps are going to be quite upset to live in america for the next few generations apartheid I, america i don't think that's actually true with respect to abortion all that means is that abortion will be returned to the states and each there'll be 50 varying abortion regimes plus territories and uh, it, it, it's relatively easy to settle in one that uh, fits your view of it. This is such a... What I love about the left is there's never any principle. They're all about minorities. You know, so they say, oh, well, the, you know, the biggest issue facing America today is transgender pronouns. And you, you live in a, an old mill town where the mill closed and you're out of work and it's hollowed out... Uh, by uh, by fentanyl and uh, everything is garbage and rubbish and there's no future. And uh, when you switch on TV, they're talking about somebody who's misgendering someone on Twitter. And you say, what, what's up with this uh, transgender business? I say, well, it's very important. It's 0.03% of the population or whatever it is. <laughs> right. And we talk about it nonstop. And there's millions of losers like you uh, for whom the mill closed <laughs> down and the factory closed down and your kids are hooked on fentanyl. But we haven't got time for you because we need to talk about uh, misgendering people on Twitter. The, the, the Democrats' whole thing is the smaller the minority, the, the more they fetishize you. So this whole 58 genders thing where it's LGBTQ and no one remembers what comes after the second Q, they're all the interesting ones. They're, they've got identity groups that are statistically undetectable, and they're still more important than you schlubs out there uh, who, who uh, where the mill closed and you're all hooked on drugs. And that's, so I, but, but Eric Holder, there's no principle on this. Eric Holder suddenly, suddenly decides, you know, minority rights are great unless it's in this particular, unless it's in the Supreme Court abortion thing. These guys are, these guys are just con men. And and it's all about power. It's all and it's all about control. It's uh, and that's what everything has in common. It's about power for them and their control of you. That's all it is. It doesn't get any more sophisticated than that. Amazon Prime Washington Post in the news. The Amazon Prime Washington Post 
has suspended their political reporter, Dave Wiegel. He made a bad boo-boo. He retweeted a joke. And the joke, I mean, okay, it was, it's a sexist joke. The joke pretty much says, Mark, Mark, is, is some guy put up a joke, all women are bi. The trick yeah. is to figure out which bi they are, whether they're 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 bipolar or bisexual. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, excuse me, I'm just going to fall on the floor laughing for 12 minutes because I like that joke so much. <laughs> right. <laughs> so he retweeted it, and then all hell breaks loose. The report, one of the reporters, Felicia Solnez, who herself had been put on leave back in the day when Kobe Bryant died. She was the one running out there reminding everyone, hey, 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 he was, he was, a, he was a rapist. He was a rapist or mm. on trial for rape, whatever. Mm. She got suspended. And this poor guy, David Weagle, came to her defense. That didn't matter. She out. She went to the, how dare, what kind of place is this that lets a reporter make a joke <laughs> like that? And the next thing you know, this poor guy is suspended. It's a freaking joke. Yeah, I love this because Dave Weigel, you was hired as the token conservative over at the Washington Post, and in fact, he's no such thing. Uh, he's uh, and 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 so he tiptoes, he's tiptoed around on eggshells perfectly for a decade, and then he retweets this joke about you just have to figure out all girls are bi, you just have to figure out if they're bipolar or bisexual. I don't know, I can barely get through that sentence without clutching my sides. And uh, and and we are now what the the communists were. Uh, uh, half a century ago, uh, the fantastic novel called The Joke by Milan Kundera of Czechoslovakia, uh, and it's set in the late 1940s, uh, just after the commies have taken over, and it's about a guy, a young guy, who makes one joke, and his entire life is destroyed as a consequence of that joke. And I read it when I was a kid and I thought, well, that's those wacky communists. Boy, nothing like that could ever happen here. Well. And, and now it happens here. Now it actually does. It doesn't happen in the Czech Republic or in Slovakia, but it happens in America and it happens in Canada and it happens in Britain and Australia all the time where people have their lives ruined for making the wrong joke. There's only one kind of society the police's jokes and it's and and the term for that society is not a free democratic country or a constitutional republic or anything else when you're ruining people's lives over jokes when you're the guy who's saying that's not funny and not only is it not funny but uh you're going to be suspended uh as cnn did uh for a month without pay cnn just suspended a guy, Dave Weigel, for making a joke. See, CNN actually, you know, I've sat through hours, I said, I've sat through hours of, of CNN at Gate 27 at LaGuardia, and, they, you know, that's what they should be suspending Wolf Blitzer for, but not for, like, <laughs> one, this guy made one retweet. Mm -hmm. He didn't even make the joke. He retweeted it. He retweeted it. The retweet now. You don't even have to come up with the criminal joke yourself, comrade. <laughs> just just retweeting the criminal joke is enough for us to suspend you for a month unpaid, comrade. That Amazing. Is just, it's, it, okay, 
The January 6th show market comes up Thursday. Number one, are you going to watch it? Number two, Brian Stelter and, and some of the other lefties are having a cow because apparently Fox is not going to cover it. And they're just, they're, they're, their undies are in a bunch because they just can't believe that Fox News and Newsmax are not going to cover the January 6th primetime show. I wouldn't. I, I certainly wouldn't cover it. I think this is a basically this is about the criminalization of politics. If Eric Holder seriously took this business of apartheid, yeah, we are becoming an apartheid society because basically if you're criminalizing the other guy's politics, uh, which is what this committee does, then politics is not possible. It's a Democrat committee with Liz Cheney and the other idiot as uh, a bit of so-called bipartisan cover. But but actually, I was just talking, whatever it was, half an hour ago, to Peter Navarro, oh. who, was, who was taken down at Nashville Airport by five FBI agents, strip-searched, they took the, the 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 elastic out of his boxer shorts in case he uh, hanged himself in his cell. Oh, Peter goodness. Navarro from the Trump administration. That's they were carrying out a acting on an arrest warrant from this committee. It's sick. There's no equality before the law in this country, and no one should take that committee uh, seriously. Fox shouldn't cover it. Newsmax shouldn't cover it. Uh, double. W-Z-Z-Z-A-M in Dead Moose Junction, Maine, shouldn't cover it. No, nobody should cover this thing. Mark, you thank you so much. I want to hear more about your conversation with uh, Peter Navarro. Sadly, we don't have the time to do that right now, but I definitely want to hear more. This guy was put in iron shackles and thrown into the cell that, uh, that Hinckley, yep. Reagan's would-be assassin, was thrown into. Yep. This is such a blatant vendetta it is just it is it's unconscionable yeah and it's exactly the lenin lenin's old line about what he used to call example trials it's they're doing this to make an example of him and that's all it's Len, it, it, there's a lot of lenin there's a lot of post-war czechoslovakia in what's going on in the united states right now and that's not an exaggeration and that is pretty sad. Mark Stein, thank you. America's undocumented anchorman every Tuesday right here on Boston Early's Rush Hour. We're coming right back after this. Rush. This is the Rush Hour with Bo Snerdly. Bo Snerdly. On 77 WABC. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. Uno. He's your numero uno. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snerdly. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snerdly. Rush, Rush. Now, here's Bo Snerdly. Billy Preston, often called the fifth Beatle, brings us back on WABC. Download the 77 WABC app, my friends, or go to WABCradio.com to stream 
77 WABC Worldwide. And when you do, download that 77 WABC app. Be sure to check out the podcast section. You will find not only all of my podcasts, you'll find podcasts <clears throat> of every single show. on Every single host on WABC has their own podcast. And you'll find them. One of the podcasts that we do is called On the Border with Todd Benzman. Todd Benzman is one of the most amazing reporters in my view, and you hear me say that over and over again in America. He is down. He spent considerable time uh, down on the border, not only our southern border, but the Mexico southern border as well. A few months ago, Todd warned us that there was an issue concerning Title 42. He did this before anybody in the press picked it up. And he said, if this is overturned, you can expect a surge like you wouldn't believe. We are now seeing pictures of, and if you haven't seen them, you need to make it a point to see them. A surge of up to 15,000 immigrants pressing in right now on their way up to America. Not only that, this is a long introduction, Todd, sorry. Todd also told us of a deal that was made between Cuba and Nicaragua, where Cubans were being airlifted into Nicaragua I mean, so that they could come It was not without up. comedy. I mean, so Todd Benzman, welcome. Good to hear from you again, my friend. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Good to be here again. So, and uh, yeah, go ahead. What is going on at the border, Todd? Well, it's just uh, increased mayhem. I know I've been telling you about this for a while, but. It's it's just uh, exacerbated and escalating uh, like we kind of predicted it would. Title 42 is still in place, mainly because a federal judge out of Louisiana uh, intervened with its planned demise. This is very important. Title 42 is important because it's the last impediment to a complete completely open borders where anybody can walk in and just be brought into the United States to make asylum claims never to leave again. Um, So uh, the Title 42 is still in place. However, uh, what's happened is the administration has cut out additional exemptions, so many in the uh, soup bowl that it can't really hold much soup at all now. And so you have exemptions made for people from specific countries that are not Mexico and not Central America. Uh, Cubans, you mentioned, uh, there are some Nicaraguans. Uh, Nicaragua's on the list, even though that's Central America, but countries from Africa that are in Africa and the Middle East and Asia from all over the world are now exempt from Title 42 expulsions back to Mexico. And as a result, we're at about 9,000 a day crossing in and being bussed straight into the interior of the country. I was just down in the Del Rio, Texas area about a week ago and watched and videotaped bus after bus after bus fill up with hundreds and hundreds of people from those countries uh, for on their way to 15 different American states. And that was just one section of the border. That's happening all along the Texas border in probably five different cities down there. 
from those countries. Now, you may have heard about a caravan of 10 or 15,000 that are headed north uh, from Tapachula, Mexico, where I've reported as well. And the details of that are important because they connect to what I just told you. The people that make up that caravan are the people from those countries that are on the exemption list. That caravan is formed and is on the way here because the Biden administration has cut them out of Title 42. That's that's their motivation. Uh, probably 90 percent of the people are on those lists of countries that are being bussed into America once they get here. That's why they're all coming like this. So just be aware of uh, what's happening with that caravan, why it's forming, and why there are so many Middle Easterners, Somalis, and people from Africa and all over the world. It's a very, very multinational caravan, and that's why. This is astounding. This is totally astounding. Now, are we on track to have what we expect, which is, if nothing is done here, and if Title 42 folds, we might be on track to having a migration into America in one year, in one year, the size of the population of Los Angeles, over 6 million people pouring through the southern border of the United States. Man, I really hope not, but it is possible. Uh, it just depends on it depends on a couple of things, but but if the if Title Forty Two if they just continue to punch holes exemptions in it, uh, it it really doesn't exist anymore. I mean, on paper, I know a federal judge told the administration they had to have it on paper, but it looks like they're figuring out a way to undo it and still meet the letter of the judge's order just like uh, with Remain in Mexico. Uh, if the caravan, this caravan, it's the biggest in, in the history of caravans. We've never seen one this size. If this one is allowed to reach the border and cross, I think you can expect to see many more just like it. The Mexicans, you should know, have decided to issue all of them humanitarian visas. A uh, thousand a day. I think they're going to try to give a thousand out a day, and they're wheeling up 500 buses right now to bring them to 15 different uh, Mexican cities. And if you listen to this podcast for very long, you may have heard me talking about ant operations. Right. Uh, this is an ant operation in the classic sense, as I've described it, that is underway right now with that caravan. Uh, nobody wants to see a caravan of 15,000 people in one big teeming mass show up at a spot on the border. It's politically untenable for the Mexicans and for the Americans. So what they're doing is they're issuing these visas and bringing up 500 buses to disperse them among 15 different Mexican cities in smaller groups. So that uh, closer to the border so that they can cross without anybody really noticing. If that happens, you will see successive ant operations. It'll just become nonstop ant operations uh, to the American border. And, 
that is how we're going to see those kind of numbers. So be on the lookout for AMP operations one after another. I'm not saying that that's definitely going to happen, but I strongly suspect that it will. And I also strongly hope that I'm wrong. But that's that's what's happening right now in southern Mexico, 500 buses. They're going to be people that are exempted from Title 42 so that when they reach the border, they get paroled right in within two days. I watched just last week, I watched Border Patrol wheel in buses of these people to a nonprofit in Del Rio. It pulled up right next to a Greyhound bus that was loading up. The Border Patrol bus empties. The Greyhound buses load up just like that all day, seven days a week from uh, probably five different border cities down there. Uh, Out of sight, out of mind, you won't see it. Go look at my video at CIS.org. I have a a piece up just today, this morning, uh, with all of my video and a video report from to show you what that looks like. Uh, American media does not go to these places where this is happening, but you can see it if you go to the video at CIS.org. Todd Benzman, thank you. I'm going to be reaching back out to you. It's time for us to do another uh, lengthy podcast on this. We'll be reaching out and we'll do that. In the meantime, you can see those videos at CIS.org. Todd Benzman, thank you so much for joining us today on Boston Early's Rush Hour. Thank you for having me. WABC Talk Radio 77 coming right back after this. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snerdly Rush on Rush. 77 WABC. James Golden, known popularly as Bo Snerdly. This is the Rush Hour with Bo Snerdly. Rush, Rush. One of your all-time favorites. You listen to it on music radio, WABC. Seals and Cross understand from Kevin, and I, I missed this. Kevin caught it that Jim Seals has passed away. That apparently yesterday, no cause of death. What an amazing career. Indeed. Catch it night up next. Let's head to the telephones. Jay in New Jersey, welcome. You're on WABC. You're on Boston Early's Rush Hour. What's on your mind this afternoon? Yo, what's going on, James? Huge fan. Love the show. Thank you. Hey, I want to touch on uh, the uh, parents in Texas that are lining up getting ready to start suing the gun manufacturer, which horrible, horrible. I feel horrible for the parents. Um. I honestly think, and I'm a military guy, I love our military, but I think if that's the case, I think our Golden Star family should start lining up and suing the military for all these recruiting commercials. Wow, okay. Well, it would be something if we could say right now that these lawsuits have not been successful. Several have been. There was a time when when these lawsuits were first coming out that none of them were successful. And then we turned that corner where, in some cases, gun manufacturers have been 
found liable for death. So this is another development along the way. Obviously, you know, one of the things that I think is so sad about this, and as you say, one can understand the parents' grief. One can understand anyone, especially with this incident in Texas where where law enforcement apparently just stood out for almost an hour and didn't do anything. But to sue the gun manufacturers, I mean, I just don't know what that's going to do. How is that going to solve anything at this point? Well, of course, it will give the parents some money. But really, is that the solution? So thanks for the call. Where do we go next here? I can't not see my phone screener at the moment. Where are we going next? Let us go to Gail in Staten Island. How are you, Gail? Good afternoon. Um, I, I had one point, but with the gentleman that just called and, you know, these tragedies that are happening, you know, to sue these manufacturers, why don't we sue our government that won't allow guards to be in these schools, in these districts, because the money that's always paid out to, say, Parkland and all the other mass shootings, the people get money. It's um, it's crazy. Wouldn't that be better? Well, to me, you mean to spend the money preemptively instead of paying out when, sadly, children die, spend the necessary money to make sure that the schools are safe in the first place. And what you hear right now, by the way, Chuck Schumer and the Democrat Party are they're stalling on this gun bill. They're trying to give it more time. They're trying to so, so-called allow for some bipartisanship to emerge here. The Texas Senator John Cornyn, who, by the way, I just, I don't want to call the guy a rhino, but it, uh, he, he, he is one of the more confusing members of the Senate to me because there are times when he really does come off like a conservative. There are other times when this guy is so... Uh, Anyway, he's the one that is the lead in the Senate on trying to come up with the Republican side of whatever legislation they want to move through. They have not made progress yet, and so they're asking for more time in the Senate to come up with a bill. One of the things that is happening right now is that Republicans are, of course, under attack from the mainstream press and from the, Demo- for, from the Democrat Party for suggesting Gail, that what you that what you and I and everyone else views as common sense, make sure that the schools are safe. That's not enough. There's ridicule toward that argument. The only thing that Democrats want to hear is there are going to be restrictions on guns. That people are going to Beto O'Rourke. I played the soundbite for you last week. Beto O'Rourke, who's running for governor in Texas, has gone so far as to say unabashedly. Not only do we want to stop new guns, we want to confiscate the guns that Americans already have if they fit into that AR-15 style weapon. So, of course, what we're not hearing, Gail, is what you and many other people want. How are we going to secure these school buildings to make sure that shooters cannot get in them in the first place? And that is being totally ignored. Thank you so much for the call. Jacqueline, Brooklyn, New York. How are you this afternoon, Jacqueline? Good afternoon, James. I'd be better if these politicians would do their job, but it is what it is. 
Um, one thing, I do want to comment on the border, but really quickly, when you opened in your monologue uh, about feeling more secure now that, as I refer to her, Governor Hocus Pocus, because she makes the truth disappear, uh, she mm-hmm. signed the gun legislation. She still, to my knowledge, hasn't yet signed a bill that has been on her desk that requires cameras in every New York City subway station in view of the uh, recent shootings. That bill would safeguard millions of people daily in New York City. And I don't mean to be harsh or callous or uh, not unsympathetic, but the gun laws collectively, since all the shootings have occurred, have not affected millions of people. So she's, she's slacking off as usual. But regarding the border, since Joe Biden stole the office of the presidency, oh, I'm sorry, I mean took office of the presidency, over two and a half million illegal immigrants have entered the United States. Now, those are the reported numbers. There's the untold and unreported numbers. And that is now causing illegal drugs to come into the country. And also, the Homeland Insecurity Secretary, Alejandro Mayorka, he should be charged with, pre- with treason and he should be imprisoned for not doing his job which is to keep our borders safe and keep the citizens of the United States safe, especially now with monkeypox coming in from the African countries. It's an even greater health problem in addition to COVID. And And you just heard, I'm sorry to cut you short here, and I want to hear back from you later this week too because what we talked about is real. Right now the American borders are open to anyone from around the world. What we are expecting, if present numbers hold up, folks, this is not a joke This is not idle speculation. We are expecting, if the numbers hold up to numbers that are already happening, that in one year's time, we could have 6,400,000-plus immigrants pour through the southern borders. And in many cases, the Democrat Party, I don't know how they're doing this exactly, We do know that in Mexico, there are nonprofit organizations, there is a Jesuit organization, and there is the United Nations that are helping to fund all of the migration up to the United States border. Where the money is coming from to disperse them throughout the United States remains a mystery. 6,400,000 immigrants this year if things go as are. James Golden, back tomorrow, 4 o'clock, for Bosnia's Rush Hour. John Katz up next. May God bless, protect each and every one of you and your families. Keep it here on WABC. Get that WABC app from WABCRadio.com. We'll be back tomorrow, and we'll see you then. Bye.